Hello, and welcome to Breast Cancer Conversations, a podcast brought to you by survivingbreastcancer.org. I'm Laura Carfing, breast cancer survivor and founder of survivingbreastcancer.org, a nonprofit organization providing community, education, and resources to empower those diagnosed with breast cancer and their caregivers from day one and beyond. Hello, hello, my friends. Welcome to another episode of Breast Cancer Conversations. I am so glad you are joining me today for this amazing duo of a podcast we are doing. I have teamed up with Jen DeVoe. She is a breastie, just like me, and also has a podcast just like us. So we decided to record each other, have a girl chat and, you know, all things breast cancer related and how we got into the breast cancer business of podcasting and sharing our stories and all of that great stuff. So this should be a really fun episode. I can't wait for you to hear Jen's story. And then if you're not already familiar with a little bit about my own background and journey with breast cancer, we take a deep dive into that too, because Jen asks me all of those hot questions. Jen DeVoe is an author and also podcaster. Her book is called Not Today Cancer, and so is her podcast, Not Today Cancer, so be sure to check that out when you are looking for breast cancer resources. If you are new to our Breast Cancer Conversations podcast, I would like to give a quick rundown and let you know that this is sponsored by our nonprofit, survivingbreastcancer.org. And through our nonprofit, we provide a variety of services and programming absolutely free to those diagnosed with breast cancer and their families. For example, we have weekly support groups. Our Thursday Night Thrivers is what we call ourselves. Every Thursday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, we meet up online and just talk about whatever is going on in our breast cancer worlds, the good, the bad, the ugly, the positive, the hopeful, etc. We also host weekly Movement Monday classes ranging from yoga, Pilates, meditation, Zumba, you name it, that's happening on Mondays. Definitely check out our workshops where we do creative writing, expressive writing, art is healing, and so much more. So head on over to survivingbreastcancer.org forward slash events so you never miss a beat and can join our community. And like I said, because we are sponsored by our nonprofit, your word of mouth to spread the word about what we are up to is so helpful. Tell your oncologists and your medical care teams that you've heard of Breast Cancer Conversations and the nonprofit survivingbreastcancer.org. And feel free to tell your friends and family to make a donation because that is what supports all of our tremendous work and keeping our programs and services absolutely free. So now that was my spiel, let's definitely dive into this wonderful conversation with Deb DeVoe and myself. Welcome to the conversation. When were you um, diagnosed with breast cancer? I was diagnosed um, in the fall of 2016 at the age of 34, and it was a complete shock. I was a strict vegan at the time. I was working out. I was healthy. There was no family history, and I discovered dimpling on my breast. It was like one of those weird things where I didn't immediately think breast cancer. I was working out. I was wearing one of those like tight fitted Lululemon shirts. You know, I'm like crushing it in the gym in front of the mirror. And I noticed that um, my chest actually was different size, different shapes. I know people's breasts are like different sizes anyway. But with working out and lifting, I was like, this is actually a little weird. And so it caught my eye visually that like there was dimpling and some physical changes um, on my left side. And so that kind of sparred the conversation of what is it? Not necessarily thinking breast cancer. What stage, what grade? Yeah, I was diagnosed with stage 2B 
I don't remember the grade. I think grade two, everything seemed like a little gray. I was like in the middle for everything, right? Like when you're looking and clamoring for um, concrete answers, I was like, what does this mean? I ended up being triple positive. So ER, PR, and HER2 positive. Wow. Okay. So then did you do, what treatment did you do? I started off with chemotherapy because the goal was to see if the the tumor would respond and hopefully shrink, which it did. So that was a good sign, which enabled me to have a lumpectomy because it was a small, it was a trunk. So I was able to be a candidate for a lumpectomy. However, on that pathology, it did not have a complete response to the chemotherapy drugs I was on. So, you know, it's one of those moments where you're like, yay, we got the cancer out. I had clear margins, but my heart sunk when I was like, wait, I the, the chemotherapy was good, but not perfect, right? I was on another round of oral chemotherapy for about six months afterwards, just to make sure that we got everything. And so it took a little while for me to accept that. But you know, it's it is what it is. And then I also had radiation as well, just to again, zap everything that could have been floating around over there. Yeah, my gosh. And then I mean, I think about you too, being in, you know, already healthy, vegan, working out, like what, what went through your head? Like how frustrating, like I have people ask me all the time, like, I don't understand you were healthy. You're in the fitness world. Like if you're doing all the right things, what's the point? I know it's so frustrating. My boyfriend was vegan as well. He's like, we're going out for steak. Like, absolutely. (laughs) Like we're pissed. Like we're going out. I started incorporating fish back into my diet. I didn't go like full meat carnivore, but I was like, yeah, I just found out I had breast cancer. Let's go. You get a steak. I'm going to order a bottle of red wine. Like, we're going to just like deal with this and figure it out. Good because, for you. Right. Balance, right? Yes. <laughs> you know, it's, it's frustrating. And I think I'm still, you know, even five years later, like managing the, the diagnosis. How mm-hmm. did this happen to me? It changes your perspective that really life is not to be taken for granted. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm, I feel fortunate and, you know, I just tell myself, well, thank goodness I was healthy because for ha- perhaps that helped me manage and tolerate the side effects of the chemotherapy or like healing after cancer. A thousand percent. I so agree. I think back to the women who are diagnosed and they aren't in the greatest of health. And then all of a sudden you're slim, you know, you're like blasted with all the medical things, all the things you have to do. And then you're like, okay, wait. Now I have to figure out like this whole diet and nutrition and exercise part of it. Like it's overwhelming. So yes. to have that already is it it does it makes it easier, I think. And I think that I did get through treatment and all the things so much better because of, you know, what I already had going for me. Absolutely. So yes, tell me a little bit about your diagnosis. How did you discover that you had breast cancer? Yeah, well, the crazy part is a little backstory is my husband was diagnosed with brain cancer in 2009. So we have, I was his, like been dealing with cancer forever and, but it was always him. And so he's had three brain surgeries, two rounds of chemo, two rounds of radiation. And, you know, he hasn't been able to work since his second brain surgery in 2011. So I like take care of the family. He's doing really well. Like you wouldn't notice I mean, he has short-term memory and some confusion. Like I'll find like the toaster in the fridge, like stuff like that happens. So I just went to a routine mammogram and had no idea. Like I just didn't think anything of it. And they called me back and said, we see something. And I was like, okay, sure. Fine. 
It's got to be like nothing. Like truly thought there's no way. And I went back and the way they do it in our areas, you, you do, you find out basically at the end of the appointment. So you go in for the uh, repeat mammogram. If they still see it, then you do the ultrasound. And if they still see it there, then you see the doctor. So I did the repeat mammogram and she's like, yeah, we're still seeing it. And I'm like, okay, like still thinking it's nothing. Right. Go back to the ultrasound room. Yeah. Go to the ultrasound room. And I did get a little nervous here because the tech was real quiet And she was staying really a a long time in a certain area. And then uh, she said to me, I'll be back with the doctor. And I was like, this is not good. But still, even when he came back, he was like, so you haven't felt anything? And I'm like, no. And he's like, okay, well, we do think this, this is cancer. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, do you have any questions? I'm like, no. And I didn't have my husband there with me. I just went, I just still did not believe it. I was like, there's no freaking way husband and wife can both have cancer. Yeah. And then the second I got home, I even told Darren, I'm like, I still don't think so. But I'm like, I think it's gonna be fine. And then they called me and they're like, you need to come back in tomorrow morning ASAP. We're pretty sure this is cancer. And then I was like, then it hit me. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. You know, you start. Oh, you go zero to hundred, like immediately. Oh my God. You think you have weeks left. Like your your life is like insane. And then, yeah, it's crazy. So I did, um, you know, a lumpectomy and I love my surgeon. Like what was so cool about her is the, the first doctor that was like, looked at me with such sad eyes. Like that's one of the reasons why I thought this has got to be the worst. He just looked at me like my life was over. I walked into my breast surgeon's office and she's like, and I was like, listen, I can't die. Like my husband has brain cancer. I need to be here for my kids. And she's like, girlfriend, this is like nothing. And I was like, oh, thank God. Like I needed that. I needed to hear somebody just like calm me down and say, it's no big deal. We got this easy peasy. Yes. yes. And yeah, so it did come back as a grade two. So I, the oncotype score was 21. And so it was in that gray area of like, do you do chemo or do you not? And I thought for sure I was going to do it. And then we went back and forth and just decided not to. And I took, had my ovaries removed, you know, I did radiation and now I'm on aromatase inhibitor hormone blocking meds. So that's my story. Yes. Well, thank you for sharing that. And yeah, you know, so you when they called you back then, that's when you had the biopsy done to yes. confirm. And then what stage were you? Stage one. So stage small, one. Mm-hmm. but grade two. So a little bit of the, you know, aggressive characteristics yes. to that. And, and I was shocked by that. Like, I was not expecting that. I was thinking, this is going to be easy. And then all of a sudden you're like, wait. So, you know, like you were saying, you know, when you're diagnosed, it's been five years for you. It's only been a year for me. Like a year ago, I was still in radiation. But I think about it and I'm like, this is with me for my life. You know, like I always going to be looking yeah. at like what I'm doing because, you know, you think back, like, did I do it right? Should I have done the chemo? You know what I mean? Oh my gosh. You know, I say if you can look at yourself in the mirror and just know that you made the right decision for you, then yeah. that is 100% correct. Yes. Like, you know, you that. cannot keep going back and forth because there's so many what ifs. And, 
you know, there's that's no way to live life either. Just being on pins and needles. Did I make the best choices? Did I make the best decisions? On the reciprocal end, you know, having such aggressive treatment, I was on six different chemotherapies before my surgery. I was on the ACT treatment, which is adriamycin, the red devil, cytoxin, and taxol. And then I was also on the progetta and herceptin combination because of the HER2 positive um, proclivity. So, you know, and then to not get a complete response after all of those drugs, I was like, are you kidding me? And that's when they gave me Zolota, which was an oral medication. And so- And how did you do on that? You know, oh, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? It's yeah. It was hard. Um, I gained a lot of weight because of all the drugs and the steroids that they give you. I think that was the hardest part. Was like, mm-hmm. yeah, I can, I can beat this. I can figure this out. But just not only the body changes of surgery, but the being forced into medical menopause. I too am on um, an aromatase inhibitor. The joints mm-hmm. hurt, so you're you're not as excited to work out anymore. And you know, I'm like, oh my gosh, like menopause is real. Like I'm getting like all this weight gain in my midsection. Like what is happening? So that to me was actually almost harder than the cancer diagnosis was, you know, coming to terms with, you know, my, my physique. Mm -hmm. I completely relate to that too. Like I remember when I had chemo on the table, you know, when I was going to do it, I started looking up wigs. Like what was I going to do? Because I viewed myself as a really strong person and a really strong, healthy person that took care of the family. I took care of others. And the thought of me having to be that person, I I couldn't go there like that. I didn't want people to look at me like I was sick or like, so I get it. It's an identity thing. I've been on an aromatase inhibitor for now a year or just about, almost a year. The, I'm on exomestane. Okay, I'm on letrozole. Okay. So I, other than my, oh my gosh, my joints, my hands, my knuckles, what the heck? They're like double in size. And I have some, some like bone pain every once in a while, but not much. Like I'm not too bad. So other than the menopause, the menopause blasted into that. And I just do all the things to help alleviate it. Like I, I am like that person that tries all the things. (laughs) What, what have you found? Have you found any like remedies or... Um, yeah. Complimentary therapy. With, yeah. In fact, I'm doing, I'm running a group. I'm, I, one day this is going to be like an, a, a group that I'll kind of put together for people like a little program, but it's 10 days of, you know, natural healing from menopause. And it's basically yeah. like your diet has to change. You know, I think like for so many people, they think of soy protein or soy as like this negative thing and cancer causing the research I've done. And of course you can read it both ways and your doctor might say something different. That's what's so frustrating is the research that's out there. You can see one extreme to the other and you're like, wait, okay, but who's right. But I feel like the most current studies and what I've researched is that soy is good. And it also, it can help get rid of that bad estrogen. And um, also it's can help with hot flashes. So I think that's something that's helped me. I exercise differently. I used to kill myself in the gym. I used to lift every day. I don't anymore. I lift three times a week. That's it. But um, just because I feel like I was in constant inflammation. And so I do more healing exercises as well. I do a lot of walking. I do more yoga. Um, But yeah, so like that's the main thing. But there's so many different things like 
that I do like saunas, even, you know, your diet, what you're eating, what you're drinking, like how you're dressing, like even our mood, like there's so many things that I dive into this in this 10 day group. I love that you do that. That's, yeah, that's amazing. And to discover different modalities as well for healing. I think exactly what you said, and that it's okay to change some of those lifestyle habits. I was in the same boat, I was doing very vigorous yoga, you know, the hot yoga, the core power yoga, like it was a workout for me. And now, you know, I I don't have the upper body strength that I had after surgery. And so I'm like, you know, meditation is okay. Sitting here and being still is my new form of practice. And it's not what I've done before. But, you know, kind of discovering new, new joys and coming to terms with that excitement, not always looking backwards. Meditation is everything. And in meditation and and all you learn that that was something new for me too. You were probably just like me where I was like the workout, like meditation and walking, what does that do for you? Right. And, um, but meditation, oh my gosh, it's everything. It literally saved me. I was, I felt so out of control when I was first diagnosed. Like I was just scared to be in my own body and I put on this meditation and I just listened to it. And it was the first time, you know, in a week since my diagnosis that I had felt calm. So I have not stopped doing that. And the thing about meditation is you learn so many different things along the way, like breathing techniques and like, you know, you just can relax your body faster. So when we're up in the middle of the night with a hot flash or one of the lovely menopause symptoms, insomnia, you know how to calm that body again and what you can do. So yeah, meditation is great for menopause as well. I experimented with um, cryotherapy. I don't know if you've tried this. Um, A girlfriend was telling me about it. And it's one of these, I don't know, I'm not sure if it's a trend or what it is or what's going on, but there's these studios where you literally can go in and I think it's, they drop temperatures down to like negative 200. It's something quite intense. and you have like booties on, so like your feet and hands don't get frostbite. But you basically go in in like a towel, and then for three minutes you're in this like ice chamber, and you can play music. I think that's how I get through it. Like they have like Spotify, so you can put in your favorite music, and like I'm just jamming out in this like ice chamber for three minutes, singing you know my favorite songs. And I've only done it a couple of times because it's kind of expensive. However. It has helped so much with the joint pain. Like you really? just get, it's almost like when you jump into like the ocean, right? Like just that yeah. freezing shock of, wow, like the inflammation feels to go down. My knuckles felt better. My joints felt better. I'm dealing with some lymphedema from some of my surgeries. So it just like, I just felt like it helped. And I was like, oh, this feels good. And yeah, well, I mean, I don't know. I'll have to try that out. Listen, I am the one that's always willing to try anything but is I, although I do deal with hot flashes, I get so cold. It's like insane. So like stepping into that will freak me out, but I'm willing to try anything at least once. I think all these healing modalities are so cool. One other thing that's truly helped me is acupuncture. Have you done that? I have not done that one yet. Tell me. Oh my gosh. I swear by this. First of all, he's another one. I had two people, two other, you know, other than what I was doing, what my doctor said, I did energy healing and acupuncture. And both of these two helped me so much because it just calms you a little bit, but the acupuncture, he literally can, you know, do points that help with menopause symptoms and bone issues and, and arthritic issues, osteoporosis, like acupuncture, I swear by. 
I'm going to look that up. I can't wait for you like our follow up conversation. You're kind of going to come back from like cryo. I'll come back from acupuncture yes. and we'll be like, oh my Me God. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <sighs> so what did you do as far as, so you, um, when you were diagnosed, one thing that's helped me, and obviously you're doing the same exact thing. So I'm curious what you do was sharing my experience and then helping others get through this because I knew, I knew for me, I was like, I want to find women who are getting through this and successfully and watch their journey. Yes. Um, and so that's why I do what I do now is just to help other women. So I know you do this. So what are you exactly are you doing to help support women? Yeah, no, great question. So it's so funny because I think back to like 2016 and social media was definitely a thing, but I feel like it was a different thing. Like it's not how it is now. And being diagnosed in Boston with access to some of the best medical teams and hospitals in the world, I literally thought I was going to be able to post like, hey, 34, I got breast cancer. Like, come hang out with me. Tell me tell me what I need to know. And it was crickets. Like, I couldn't find anyone to connect with. And, you know, my hospital had a support group, but they were all different ages. It wasn't necessarily for younger women going through different things. Like, they had kids. I didn't have kids. They were older. Like, they were either not working or, you know, I was trying to work through my treatments. Like there was just so much going on that it was really hard to find someone to relate to. And what I also noticed was that if you're getting treated at one institution, you couldn't take advantage of the offerings at another hospital, right? Like their programs and services were for their patients. So I really wanted to kind of break that ceiling and create something where regardless of where you are, there's going to be opportunities to connect with other people who have been diagnosed with breast cancer there's education that is offered in layman's terms, and there's a community and support resources for you so that you don't have to go through this alone. So I started posting on social media and literally making YouTube videos of, this is what my scars look like. This is what the bandages look like. This is how you milk the drain after your um, surgery. Like literally just putting myself out there because um, I didn't know what was going to happen. I realized that we started to get a little bit of a following. People were interested. They found the information helpful. And so in 2018, I started our nonprofit, survivingbreastcancer.org, which has exponentially grown over these last five years to, again, be a virtual platform to bring the community together through support services and education. That's amazing. And then you created this podcast too, your podcast. Yes, the podcast, Breast Cancer Conversations, which again is sharing stories, getting people's voices out there. Mm -hmm. We bring in, you know, experts, um, people who've been diagnosed, all stages and phases, medical professionals to help answer some of those questions exactly of like, what should we eat? What's What should we do for exercise? So, you know, really just trying to provide access to information for people. Yeah, I love it. As far as like you just talked about like nutrition and stuff, and I know you were vegan before, so I know you incorporated fish back in. Do you still, are you still really watching your nutrition? Like any other changes you made? I go back and forth. I think after my diagnosis, and I'm curious to hear about your your diet as well, I'm still trying to find that right balance. And it's interesting what you said earlier about needing to change your diet because of menopause. So I now eat eggs. Um, I now eat dairy, yogurt, um, kind of like pescatarian, but it's not all in all the time, right? I still think the majority of my diet is like fruits and vegetables and salads and beans and quinoa and all the good stuff. And then, you know, pepper that in with, oh my gosh, I need like a, a slice of pizza because why not? Like life is crazy. So, you know, I'm, 
by no means perfect, but really just trying to find that balance and listen to my body because I'm much more in tune with how food and um, how food really affects my energy levels and my health. So I, yeah, I changed everything. So prior to my diagnosis, I was, you know, losing weight or wanted to stay fit to be in my skinny jeans. And, you know, it totally changes when you're diagnosed. You're like, I just want to survive. So, um, but I was basically not totally, like I wouldn't say I was ketogenic, but I was more um, protein and vegetables and no fruit because fruit had sugar. Like I cannot believe I didn't have fruit. Like, you know, I limited myself from, from that, but I had a ton of bags, dairy, like all the things. And then, so I stopped dairy. I haven't done dairy since. And I learned a little bit about my body too, by doing some testing and, and I don't, I'm missing that MTHFR. So my methylation is not great. So I really do have to be a little bit more careful about what I eat. So dairy is definitely something I'm, it's off the table for me. And I think it's different with triple negative, your triple negative, triple positive, triple positive. Mm-hmm. Okay. So with, I, I don't know what it is, but for, for the diagnosis that the research that I've done, dairy is questionable, but again, everything in moderation, Yep. you know, it's like, if you do too much of anything, it can not be good. So, um, you know, but I dairy free and then, um, tons of fruits, vegetables, plant-based, but I also do a fish every once in a while. Yeah. Yeah. And what and about the carbs? Occasion. Like, do you do like breads or pastas or limit those? I don't two? watch my carbs at all. I mean, I don't do white. I don't do like pastries and cakes and cookies and sugar and like white pastas. Like if I do a pasta, it's like a lentil pasta. Um, but I do do quinoa, like the bread that I eat is like a spelt bread. So I'm really conscious about what I'm eating and the type of carbs, but I am more focused now on fiber. Like, I think we we're, we live in this protein obsessed world and we think like, we got to make sure we're getting in enough fiber or enough protein. Well, we get in enough protein. We really do. We actually probably get in too much. So I dive a lot into that, that menopause group, but it's fiber is what we're lacking. And so really making sure we're adding in fiber because that helps detox your body from those toxins, helps get them out of your body. I love that. I love mm-hmm. that. Well, tell me more about the work that you're doing. I believe you wrote a book as well, yes. and now you run this group. So yes, how like did this come as a pay it forward after your diagnosis? It really did. So I just, I thankfully, weirdly, I've always been in fitness. Well, like for the last 13 years, I was a, or I am a Beachbody coach. I've been doing it forever. I did and Beachbody for a little while. No way. You did? Oh my yes. gosh. Okay. I'm going to sign yeah, back know, up. People you don't can even like, know that. be my coach. Okay. I like, yes. totally need to get back on track with that. Yes. So I've done that forever and grew a really big team. So that's kind of what I've done. So you probably know, um, Pio then. And yes. Oh my God. So Shalene is one of my best friends. No way. Yes. We're going to be actually in New York on Wednesday for girls weekend or girls week. Yes. Oh, Shalene and Janelle. Yeah. So exciting. Yeah. And Janelle Summers, you probably know her then. I don't know if I did one of her programs. No. So funny, but, um, well, she's actually one of a the major coaches within the network. So that's who she is. But anyway, so I did that forever. And then when I was diagnosed, I was like, you know, everything stopped there. And I was already kind of into, you know, like the person to go to for fitness. And I'm like, okay, now I'm going to change this. And I kind of pivoted a little bit 
And I wanted to be that person to help women get through diagnosis. And thankfully, because of all the work I had done 13 years prior to that, I was literally able to take a year off and just focus on healing and research and write this book and help women. And so I've had these just free groups that women can join where it's so cool because it's, you know, it's that group that you just, you never want to be part of this club, but once you're in it, you have friends and support for life. So I've had that. And now I'm kind of pivoting again because I'm, I feel like I'm not that I'm pivoting. Cancer will always be a topic of discussion for me, but now I'm focused a little bit more on menopause because I want to help women now that have kind of gotten or have gotten through the tough stuff, but now they're dealing with the aftermath (laughs) that a diagnosis can leave you with, which is, you know, menopause. And so I want to help people get through that, which is fitness and health and just taking care of your body. Yeah. That's amazing. And I think it's so important and, you know, whether it's through menopause or, um, you know, I was talking with another woman who was helping focus on, you know, pelvic floor exercises or other things that we need to be aware of. And so, you know, this whole idea of like survivorship, right? Like what happens after you get through the active treatment part and how do you, you know, like you mentioned, it's always in the back of our head. If you had a lumpectomy, you're still going in for routine screenings and all of these things. And then the level of anxiety that, you know, the PTSD, I call it, like you're going back. I was like, last time I was here, it didn't end so well. Like I'm a little nervous. And then I just remember um, at work one day, like getting upset that the paper jam was happening with like my printer. And I was like, ah, oh, the little annoying things are back in my life. Like this is a good sign. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so oh. true. It's like, that is absolutely the truth when the normal stuff starts happening here again, again. Because yeah, it's, it's something that will always be with you though. I mean, it's, and, and I hear so many times, like I didn't realize this, but I mean, I did go through it too is, but so many women, they feel like, okay, I'm done with treatment. I'm finished. I rang that bell. Now I should be happy, right? I'm through it. And that's really when the true work begins. Like all of a sudden you're just like, okay, like I'm alone in this. Like you have support. You've got people like going, cheering for you. And then they they just think like, okay, she's good now. And they don't realize mentally what you're dealing with and the fear. And just like you said, like, you know, any little ache or pain, you're like, uh, am I good? Is this good? Is this normal? Is this something else? And yeah, but it's just working through it and doing the things that like, I can't imagine where I'd be if I didn't work out, if I didn't watch my nutrition for the most part. Again, I'm not perfect. My girlfriend was here. We enjoyed some cocktails over the weekend. You know what I mean? You have to live your life and not stress about it. But um, meditation, like doing the things that help me because it, otherwise I don't even know how to get through it. Have you done any work in like the caregiving space given your personal experience with your husband? Yeah. I mean, for a long time I did when Darren... I actually worked with a lot of women who were caregivers to their husband because that's a tough job too. I mean, it really is. I think about, cause I've been on both sides of it and I think uh, for me, I would say being that I, I don't, I don't like people taking care of me. I would rather take care of Darren, but that's hard. Like being that person where you're constantly taking care of somebody is not easy. And so, yes, I've worked with a lot of women and it's, again, it's the same things. Like if we're taking care of ourselves, but we're putting ourselves first and we're diving into personal development and we're, we're just putting good things in our our body, including what we're watching, what we're listening to, who we're surrounded by is key 
to like get through all that and taking care of you. Like you have to fill your cup to be able to help others. And how are you doing now? So like you're about one year out and, you know, are you in this phase now of like putting in that work, so to speak of, you know, re reestablishing this relationship with your body? Definitely. I'm more right now focused on the menopause stuff. And because I haven't, like you said, I mean, I've noticed some things where I've had some bouts of like, I don't feel like I'm me right now. Like just hard days that are not me. And I'm like, is this the drug? Is this X mestane? Because I'm not being me right now because I've heard of, and I'm sure you have too, so many people talk about like, yeah, I went off that drug because it made me depressed. It made me all these things. And so I feel that every once in a while, and then I let myself feel it. So that's really important is to allow those feelings to move through you. And then I'm like, okay, what do I need to do to start feeling good again? And then you go back to like, even like writing out a joy list and like having a list of things that you know will bring you joy and going and planning those things. So yeah, what about you five years out? Like, how are you feeling? How, what do you do? Same. I mean, it's a roller coaster still. Yes. Um, you know, I, I'd like to say it does get better and easier, but I don't know if it's that or if I've just accepted the side effects and have learned to manage and live with them. I will say, and I'll be curious uh, to know, like kind of the cycle when you're talking about some of the mental health and the the depression that some of these drugs can lead to. I joke with my boyfriend that it's like, I'm on a three-week cycle. Two weeks, I'll be great. By the time you get to work three, week three, I'll be, whether it's work, it's life, something happens, and I'm like, I go down the rabbit hole. And he actually like pointed this out. He was like, no, every three weeks, this happens to you, Laura. Like You come home from work, you're a mess, you cry for no reason, you're moody. And I'm like, but then I pull myself up out of it. And then he's like, yep, this will happen again in three weeks, no problem. So he kind of brushes it off because he has observed this in me as the caregiver. But then once he said this, I was like, oh, yeah, it's just one of those things. Like now when I'm crying or now when I'm like emotional for like no reason, it could be like beautiful and sunny outside. And all of a sudden it hits me that I had cancer and I was going through this really traumatic period in life. You know, it's got this context now of like, oh, yeah, that's just part of this up and down mood swing, I guess, of menopause and the drug. Yes. I bet it's, I mean, it's a PMS, yes. you know, one, a few days out of the month when we had our periods back in the day, you went through this where you're a little bit more un, un or emotional, a little unstable. And so it's kind of similar. Yeah. You're so right. It's point. like a day or two of this funk. And you're like, I just don't feel like myself. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, I'm me again. Like, I'm okay. It's not the drug. Cause like, do you know how many times I've contemplated? Like I'm going off this drug. <laughs> Oh, every day. And it's been five years and I have another five to go. So um, really? you'll, you'll get there. So so did you um, did you get to that? Because everybody says the five-year anniversary or the five-year yeah. mark is like the great mark because that's when you're like, did you, yeah. you hit that? I, I hit that. So that was very excited. Um, and my, and I don't know if it's because of my diagnosis. Again, everyone is a little bit different. I did have lymph node involvement. So it did, it, while it was stage 2B, it's because it went to the lymph nodes. And so the science that's coming out recently is, you know, they're starting to recommend going on these drugs for up to 10 years. And so seven seems now to be like a sweet spot. So, you know, mentally, I'm like, let's get to five. Let's get to five. I don't want to be on this anymore. But I still say it every day. Like, you know, it's it's hard, but I don't think I have it in me to like stop taking it. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, I know. So. That's the tough part is you're like, you would hate to all of a sudden go, 
I could have dealt with those side effects and not have to go through this again. Exactly. Exactly. How many lymph nodes were involved? So I had a full auxiliary node dissection, which was they took out all of the lymph nodes under my armpit, of which three tested positive. Okay, got it. So the interesting part is this is another one of those things where I go back and forth with is that I had one cancer cell in my lymph node, but they said that that is considered negative. And they said that sometimes that cancer cell, this is what my surgeon said, can actually you know, travel there even during that surgery or when they do that. So, you know, that's one of those things that's in the back of my head, like what, you know, should I have done, you know, it's just one of those things. I know so many people who don't have cancer who are much older than me. I mean, not going where my parents are incredibly healthy or not dealing with cancer personally. And I mean, outside of me, of course, (laughs) but you know, it's like, wow. So it hasn't happened. It doesn't happen to everybody. And so I think sometimes in our world and on our podcast and the people in our communities and groups, it's like, we're so in it. We're in the weeds of it that we're like, everyone has cancer. Everyone has breast cancer. But, you know, there are people who don't get it. And even if you have dormant cells, like they could be just lying dormant for your entire life, right? So people may have cancer, whether it's in their lymph nodes or that one circulating tumor cell somewhere out there. And, you know, you just never find it. And so we also joke, you know, you kind of go to the hospital to get sick because you do enough scans, you do enough tests, they're going to find something for you. (laughs) So true. Oh my gosh, Laura, I'm so glad you said that is the truth. I mean, I've even heard too, like some people, because mammograms, are getting better and they can see more things that some women, they find a smaller cancerous tumor that maybe it had never been detected. We would have never become anything. You know what I mean? And like you go through all the treatment and then the drugs and the chemo and really wasn't, I mean, it's just weird. It's just such a weird, I mean, I wish this was like okay, you have this, this is what you do. And it's going to be, this is how it's going to go. But it's like, okay, is this the right thing? It's just weird. So what's one thing I always ask this on my podcast, you know, cancer can take so much from you. What's one thing in your life that it's given you? Oh, great question. I think I meant to what you were saying earlier, like friendships, like it has given me a whole new community of breasties and you know, I was never in a sorority in college or anything like that. But now I just feel like I have my tribe. I have women who who get it. We talk about cancer and we complain about side effects or have our hot flashes when we're going out for dinners together. But then we're also talking about vacations and life and relationships and pets and like all of the things. And so that's just been really fun. And, you know, you meet someone, you have a diagnosis, you have this immediate connection, and then you have this lifelong friendship. So that's been the silver lining. Totally agree. I feel the same way. And truly nobody understands and nothing against that person, but even family, even your closest friends, nobody understands unless you have been in this position. What about you? What has, what has this journey provided you? Perspective. It's woken me up. I feel like, you know, I think that I mean, besides the community, I love the community. I'm way more spiritual. I, you know, I think like for so many of us, we live in this world, like we're, we're going to be here forever and we don't like ponder or even think about the alternative. 
And it makes you think about that. I'm just way more spiritual. I, I, I'm more, more, I'm closer with Darren. I'm just, I appreciate life. Like I don't just, like I said, you know, my workouts were like just to fit in the skinny jeans. I get outside and I walk and I look at the flowers and I look up at like the birds and the nature. And like, I, it's just, my whole world is just different and it feels good. Like, I love it. I appreciate the little things in life. Like I, like I never have before. Nature is my healing spot. Like if I am feeling stressed, like I just need to get out of the city, especially being in Boston, like take me to the mountains, to the ocean, like just get me out of like the congestion and the hustle and bustle. Yeah. And you're like, oh my gosh. And you're like oh. me, we deal with, we don't get the, the weather. <laughs> In the spring, we're like, get me outside. We've been trapped. Well, remind me, what is the name of the podcast that you produce? My, it's the uh, Not Today Cancer. Not Today Cancer. Oh, I love that. Yeah, yeah. And so we talk a little bit about. So Mondays, I'm usually interviewing an expert. Wednesdays, I interview a breast, another breast cancer thriver. Um, And then Fridays, that's my husband Darren and I together. And yeah, he's pretty funny. And so you never know what's going to come out of his mouth. You we do an update on him update on me and we just kind of answer questions. So on Instagram, we'll ask like what questions you have for Friday. And we answer those lives that are usually pertaining to cancer. Um, in fact, like somebody just asked recently, they want us Darren to do a podcast on father's day suggestions. Oh, great. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we do all sorts of things on Fridays. So do you produce like episodes three times a week? Yes. Oh my God. You are like on fire. I was like happy about my, my podcast that comes out once a week on Mondays yeah. and I'm like, yes. okay, I'm consistent. I got my Mondays down. Like good for you, girl. Oh my God. That's amazing. Yeah. It's, I mean, every once in a while I don't get a Monday one out, but usually typically Wednesdays and Fridays for sure. Yeah. Super fun. It is a fun platform. Yeah. It's really yeah. nice to it isn't fun. You know what it is about podcasting and I, and I know you feel the same way. It's therapeutic to share your story and to be hearing from other women and experts and and that you're giving back and know that you're helping other women. It's just like, it's the greatest thing. So how can our listeners follow you and get in touch with you and like website handles, all that good stuff? Yep. So Instagram, it's uh, at Jen Delvo, J-E-N-D-E-L-V-A-U-X. And then it's jendelvo.com. My book is Not Today Cancer. It's on Amazon. It's, it's It's not Today Cancer, a non-typical survival guide for the girl that wants to thrive, not just survive. Nice. So um, yeah, that. and what about you? Yes. So our um, social handles are Surviving Breast Cancer Org, all one word on Instagram. And we're pretty active on Twitter as well. So you can follow us at SBC underscore ORG. And our website is survivingbreastcancer.org. Awesome. And of course, I'll have all that in the show notes below. Likewise. Awesome. Yay. This has been so fun. I know. I agree. I want to do this more often, actually. So. Yeah, just a fun conversation <laughs> between breasties. Exactly. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you so yeah. much. This has been a yes. pleasure. All right. Thank you. And thank you all for listening and tuning in week after week here on Breast Cancer Conversations. Please be mindful that all of our content and information is for educational purposes only and is never a substitute for medical advice. If you want to hang out again, please check out survivingbreastcancer.org forward slash events where you can RSVP to our Thursday Night Thrivers weekly meetup, our Movement Monday classes, workshops, seminars, and so much more. We can also continue the dialogue online via social media. Our Instagram handle is survivingbreastcancer.org, all one word, and you can follow us on Twitter at SBC underscore ORG. Until next time, keep on thriving.